Welcome to the Beyond Mom podcast, the podcast for moms seeking connection to self while navigating the journey of motherhood. Get inspired with our practical tools, soulful conversations, and honest stories told by other women like you. From entrepreneurship to healthy living to style, Beyond Mom will spark you to live the thriving life you deserve. And now, join our host, Brandy Zinn, as she takes you Beyond Mom. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Beyond Mom podcast. I'm so happy that you're tuning in and you're taking your precious time with me, Randy Zinn, the founder of Beyond Mom. Here, we love to invigorate a conversation around what it means to not only be a mom, but to be an individual, to be a person, to be a creator, a friend, uh, a partner, a businesswoman. There's so much that goes into that, and I'm passionate about opening up conversations around all the things that will help you do all of that better. So I'm here today with somebody that she might not know this, but I have followed her work for a long time, and I was really happy to have the chance to connect with her in person through our mutual friends at Intensati, Patricia Marino, and now I have her here, and it is the wonderful Terry Cole. Hi, Hi, Terry. Hi, Randy. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so happy you're with me. Um, I just want to tell my listeners a few things about you that make you um, special, although there's many. And then we can kind of dive into a conversation because I know that you have really wonderful insight for the Beyond Moms out there that are listening. So a little bit about Terry. Uh, She is a clinical psychotherapist who earned a degree through not only NYU, but what I love most, through what she calls the PhD in fear. And I think we can all relate to what that means. It means life deals us some heavy-duty shit, and then we figure out how to manage it. Um, So in a very short period of time, she went through many, many difficult life challenges. And then through that, developed a process uh, to really become an expert in how to process fear and utilize mind and body techniques um, to sort of demystify the process of what it means to navigate fear and really gain um, a meaningful, balanced a way to incorporate it and incorporate the experiences into our lives. So Terry has so much to offer and she shares a lot through her podcast, which I've been listening to and loving called Hello Freedom. Um, and she's just all over with speaking engagements and, and writing contributions. Um, and I just, like I said, I know her wisdom is just invaluable. So here she is with us. Um, and here we go. I've got some really beyond mom questions for you, Terry. Great. I can't wait to dive into the beyond mom content. Okay. So as I've learned a bit about you, I know that you made a choice in your life to leave behind a lucrative career as a top modeling agent in New York and to make a giant shift to becoming a therapist. And I see a lot of parallels for our listeners because as new moms, Society sometimes tells us, okay, you've done it, you've arrived, but Beyond Moms in particular want more. So I was curious the advice that you have for women that are at that juncture that feel that stirring for more, even in the face of logic, maybe it doesn't make sense, but they feel it. What what would you tell a woman in that position? Well, the first thing is that I think that you should really trust your body. And what I find in my therapy practice 
my demographic is probably very similar to your demographic, very high functioning, super capable type A women who really want it all and in some respects have it all, but a lot of them have it at the expense of themselves, right? A lot of sacrificing, a lot of self-sacrificing, a need to be perfect, the, and in some ways the disease to please as well. So the one thing that I teach women who come to me having this, this feeling like I want something I don't know is we first get them in touch with their body, listening to the body wisdom. I would say if someone has a stirring, a feeling, they want more, they want to do something differently, you've got to get quiet. You've got to become still and silent and be with that feeling. And really, instead of getting into action right away, which is what most effective, efficient women would like to do, we just want like the checklist, just tell me what to do, I'll just do it, it's good, we're, we're, we're fine, you know. Really allow yourself to be in the not knowing, which may be uncomfortable, but the knowing will come from that place. So I'm a, I'm a meditation teacher and I'm a big um, you know, supporter of everyone having a dedicated meditation practice. And it can be as short as 10 minutes a day. And mine is an hour a day. So that's impressive. <laughs> oh, it's hard. Trust me, please. I'm falling off all the time. But my intention is to sit in stillness and silence for 30 minutes in the morning when I wake up and 30 minutes right after work. Yeah. I would just add, because I think sometimes, especially when busy moms hear guidance like that, I even know for myself, the defense will come up and I'll say, I don't have that kind of time. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it's adjusting our expectations and at least knowing that we're making contact with the practice. Right. Right. Listen, when my kids were younger, I inherited kids when, when they were younger. I, I didn't have the time and I didn't do that then, but I did a version. So part of it is knowing that there are different times in life. To me, it's a luxury that I can meditate for an hour a day. Some people say it's a necessity, and I understand that. But, you know, kids getting to school in ballet class and making dinner and figuring out what's happening and planning vacations and worrying about their teeth and crap, yeah, that is a priority too. Yeah. And, you know, a three-year-old is not taking herself to ballet. So I think that part of it is getting away from feeling judged by any suggestion and knowing that, I mean, I created a meditation CD, my first meditation CD, because I had so many people with such big lives and couldn't, who, who just couldn't do it. And so I made meditations that are two and a half and three minutes long that people can do. Maybe you're waiting for a kid to get out of karate and maybe you have three minutes in the car while you're waiting for them to finish. And I promise you, those moments that you steal for yourself in stillness and silence will absolutely change your internal experience and the amount of patience you have for your kids, your husband, the people you got to deal with. Right. I agree. I, I have a – in one of my retreats, there was this revelation that happened where all these women who love to do yoga – admitted that there is no time for a full practice at, at a certain point in your parenthood. And, mm -hmm. and one woman just made this beautiful statement where she said, I've shifted my yoga practice to one downward dog a day. And as long as I hit one downward dog a day, I know that I've touched my practice. And then over time, I noticed I could throw an arm in the air and I could do a sun <laughs> salutation. And the point is, is that it builds. Yes. So I think this is the very similar concept. And Great wisdom also just for finding the clarity to even touch the direction you should take for yourself and your career. Yes. I think, though, that another thing that your audience is probably very familiar with is a very all or nothing 
attitude. Mo- most of us, and I feel like we're similar, we're all in. Like when I'm all in, I'm all in. And yet when you're a mom and you're all in with your parenting, that is your priority. And so your kids are not going to be the ages that they are forever. So know that maybe you'll be, you'll be, your heart can be all in for meditation or yoga, and yet your practice will be, you will change your practice to fit your life so that you are able to um, keep your priorities, the integrity that you want to keep in your life for the things that are most important. And know, young moms out there, I'm not a young mom anymore, that life changes and there will be more expansion as your children, once they get into school full time and once you're going to have more time. So don't beat yourself up. Just be committed to what your priorities are. You know, it's great advice. Kind of, uh, kind of segueing into, um, I think what's really connected to what you're saying. I mean, as you mentioned, you overnight kind of became a mom of three boys when you married your husband. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it sort of goes into the questions of balance and at that time building your business and your platform and being a mom. Um, where, where did you find that balance and what advice can you give? Well, my balance was terrible. So I didn't, I, I, I fell and failed, you know, spectacularly. Um, and then I slowly but surely learned. The thing that was always natural for me with inheriting kids, now these were not little kids, these were young teens. So, But what was supernatural for me was prioritizing them above all else. Like that was just the most natural thing. I had a great mother myself. My mother, the, when I first started dating my husband, I never wanted to get married before Vic. I just was like, why? It's, everyone gets divorced. It blows. Like, it doesn't look like anything that sounds like fun at all. So I've got an amazing life. I have amazing careers. I'm traveling all over the world. I've got my own money. It would have to be someone super duper. Like, a, like my life was already kind of an amazing, awesome party. And I'm like, someone needs to bring, there needs to be a good reason for me to hitch myself to somebody. And then, you know, I met my husband and I realized that when people say, oh, you just know and all that stuff, which I hated when I was single, um, cause I was like, Ugh, please, with, I'll just know. And then I met my husband. He was the least likely person in the world. 10 years older than me, lived in Elizabeth, New Jersey, was widowed, was divorced, had three angry acting out teenagers. And I was like, let's make it permanent. You know, the prioritizing of them was the easy part. The balancing my own life in there because there was so much sort of catching up to do because they really desperately needed a mom, my husband did a great job, but they needed someone who would help, who would be there, who would be consistent, who, you know, who would bring the mom vibe that even great dads can't do. Like a mom, you know, even with how mutual, like there's so much sharing of um, chores and, you know, what happens in a family system now. And listen, maybe stay at home dads bring what moms bring. I don't know. But uh, in this system, my husband was the one working, although he was working at home. So I never, the things I never gave up, I never gave up my workout. I, that was the thing that even if it meant getting up super earlier because I needed to drive kids to school or whatever, I found a way to fit that in because my mental health definitely depended on that. And I never gave up my therapy. So the other things that I would have done or had been doing in my life, that all sort of went by the wayside because there was a lot of healing that needed to happen in this family system. So we all had to get in therapy and, you know, there was a lot of work to do. 
So I think that choosing, maybe you can choose one thing that really, um, for me, working out is a super stabilizing factor in my psychological life, my internal life. So my advice is maybe, like me, you'll do it really badly until you don't. I don't know. I mean, we just all learn. We're all in this learning curve. But maybe choose one thing that really makes you feel solid and find a way to prioritize that thing and try to enroll your spouse, your partner in helping you create the 15, 30, 45 minutes a day, every other day, three times a week. I don't know what it is for anyone else. For me, it was five times a week. Like I needed to move my ass. I'm with you, Terry. This ass needs to move. (laughs) Or it just keeps growing. (laughs) Yes, it does that. But yeah, I mean, I think it's great advice because once again, coming back to the the last thing we talked about, it doesn't have to be everything at once. It can be a choice. It can be that one thing that brings you back to yourself so that you're not necessarily overwhelmed, but that you have that thing that brings you back to you. It's major. It is because what happens, and you know this, Randy, you know this because you're a mom. What happens when you overgive? What happens when you don't, you know, I mean, that that saying, you know, is a saying for a reason on a plane, like put your oxygen mask on first, because if you feel like, no, I should do the child first, you pass out and die and then the kid dies anyway. So the truth is, what do you have to actually give if you are not nurturing yourself in some way and ultimately you will become murdered? It's inevitable. It's impossible to avoid. If your self-care is bad, you will give and give, and give, and give, and in the beginning it feels okay, and then by the end, you become the parent who's like, I gave up my youth and my beauty for you. Like, literally, you become that person. It's true, and nobody wants to be that person. Oh my gosh, no. And nobody wants you doing anything for them when you're doing it with anger and bitterness. It's It's reminding them of what you're doing. Like, that's not, that does not feel good. Absolutely. Well, because we have so many women that um, that identify with Beyond Mom in this concept who are building uh, businesses and brands of their own and creating platforms, I, I was so I was so eager to kind of ask you for your insight on um, not only being a mom, but then adding in that layer of building a platform for whatever it is that you're offering to the world. Um, and as I think, I think that there is a difference between having, um, a practice, let's call it such as yourself, a therapist. And Mm -hmm. then there's that other layer of how you're offering it out to the world. So I'm curious, any insight you might have on that process? Oh, I mean, a ton, a ton, so much because of what, you know, again, it's, it's all of the mistakes that you make as you're on your way. Right. So, when I was starting a therapy practice in the 90s, hello, like how old were you in the 90s? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> this is a long time ago is all I'm saying. <laughs> Nobody was talking about platforms, right? This wasn't what we were doing. I left being a talent agent to become a psychotherapist against all logical you know, reasoning, against everyone in the world, was like, um, hi, you're making a ton of money running a talent agency that's bi-coastal, traveling your butt off. Why would you want to you know, go back to NYU and become a clinical social worker? Basically, that's what I was becoming. I, was become, I knew I was going to be a therapist, but that was the program I took. And why are you getting into debt and all of that? Partly because I had that stirring 
as you talked about before, which was, wow, there's got to be something better I could be doing with my life than making Naomi Campbell richer. There must be more meaning in my life. And although I did work with my clients and I got tons of people into rehab and eating disorder clinics and uh, probably thousands of people into therapy, I was still their agent and not an actual therapist. So going back to school was the most natural thing in the world to transition that. But let's go back to your original question around this, which is how do you build a platform? And, and what advice would I have for people wanting to build a platform? I won't take up so much time telling you how I built mine because mine was in some ways, I, it never would have entered my mind, and that is the truth. I knew I was always going to help a lot, a lot of people in the world all of my life. Like I knew that that was part of my dharma was being of service in a major way. But I would never have thought of like, I'm going to build a platform. We didn't do that. Chris Carr was a mentee of mine. She was a Broadway actress. I was her agent. And then I became her mentor. And we're great friends and have been for over 20 years. I mean, but at the time, she was literally my mentee. And so I got diagnosed with cancer around in the late 80s and I was the first person in our circle to have cancer cancer and she you know we were freaking out and then 2003 Chris and if you're listeners I think most people would know her but maybe not her name is Chris Carr her story's great uh, crazy sexy wellness is her website you'd love it um she calls me and says are you sitting down I said no I'm standing up cooking and she said well sit down I just got diagnosed with 24 inoperable stage 4 tumors in my lungs and my liver. Um, And so this started a journey for us jointly where she got on a healing journey and I was there as her second and her her close confidant. And then she, she made her movie and then she sold her movie called Crazy Sexy Cancer. And then she was going to be on Oprah. And so I was the Crazy Sexy Life Coach on the Crazy Sexy Cancer site way back in the day. And Chris and I did, you know, a whole boot camp tour around the U.S. at Kripalu and Omega. You know, we were had no idea what we were doing other than wanting to add value. So in a way, I started a website and all of that because I was becoming visible through Chris's journey. And I only had a real website, like, that wasn't, <laughs> that I wasn't blogging once every three months on as of 2011, probably. So think about that. Now, I had done a television show before that, and certainly I was, because I was in the business, even though I was out of the business, but you're never actually out of the business when you're in entertainment. Those of you in entertainment know this. There's no way to leave. Um, So I had done different pilots, and I had been asked to do different television. It was very natural. I had never been an actress, but it was like, fine. Intentionally building a platform started for me personally four years ago. Well, uh, what I resonate with, though, my story is inherently very different. Um, What I resonate with in your story is that sometimes there isn't a, quote, plan when it comes to building a platform. Um, I think there's there's goals and of course there's your vision and of course like I said there's that feeling of I know I need to work with people I need to help people um, similar for, similarly for me I, I I've been layering one piece on top of the other as it makes sense and as I'm drawn to it and as I know it's that right next move to build the platform and the thing that I'm learning as I go and and I, I'd be curious to see if you feel this was part of your story too, 
I feel there has to be a willingness to experiment, possibly fail at something, uh, because not everything I've touched has been perfect by any means. Um, and I've tried things and then decided to put it aside. Sometimes, mm-hmm. like you said, the type A's are, are that's a challenge. Yes, I think you bring up a really good point because there has to be a reframe on success and failure. At least that was my experience, is that I needed to see all of these experiences and what I was building as these were all, first of all, it was an honor and a privilege. You know, nothing like a cancer diagnosis to make you be super psyched to be alive. And really the perspective that you get from being like, wow, what am I worrying about? as I'm alive and breathing and walking around and being able to go to yoga and make out with my husband and do whatever I want in my life. Yeah. So for me, that gave a real perspective on if, if success was my only marker, the only thing that I needed was to make a lot of money and get to the top of the pile. Well, I'd made a lot of money and I got to the top of the pile and the feeling that I was seeking was not at the top of the pile. I wish that Danielle Laporte's desire map, you know, you know Danielle, she's a super close friend of mine. I wish that was out then. And I would have understood that although I was super ambitious and that was real, what I was really seeking was a feeling that was I was not going to find being a talent agent. So I had to leave hoping that the feeling was going to be in this other place. And yes, it has been, and that's great. So yes, you must be willing to really see yourself as a work in progress. Danielle has a great little video called a credo for starting something. I think it's called C-R-E-D-O for starting something. And it's so great. And I swear, I mean, we're friends. And I still like watch it once a week for inspiration. And one of the things she says in there is every masterpiece that has ever been created could have been better. (laughs) I don't know why that's funny, but it is. Because it's the truth. And the bottom line is the... Um, the whole perfectionist thing can get you into this like analysis paralysis thing where you just need to do, you just need to open your mind and your heart and tell yourself the truth. You have to really look at how influenced are you being by the expectation of others, how other people see you, what other people want you to do. If you have a successful career doing one thing, People will see you that way. Nobody understood me leaving, wanting to leave entertainment because people who aren't in entertainment think it's sexy and shiny and groovy. People who are completely understood why I wanted to get the hell out. But, you know, so I think you have to be your own, um, you have to be your, navigate your own path and seeing things not as failures, just as you tried it. And maybe that wasn't exactly it, but. It's, you're still on the right path if you're going towards your heart's desire. Definitely. Well, because you're such an expert in fear. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes. There's really nothing that has made me both simultaneously confident and strong as well as fearful as being a mother, as well as jumping into something I'm passionate about from a career standpoint and taking risk. Because starting your own thing requires risk. Of course. Talk to us about how we can work with our fear in both of these pieces of our lives. And for many of our listeners, simultaneously, we're experiencing both. Yeah. Okay, well, let's talk about the nature of fear. Let's talk about what fear really is. 
a lot of the fears that we have in our modern society are the things that we think about kick up our fight or flight response. Many people are familiar with this. It engages the amygdala, which is the part of the brain where it's like the fear center of the brain. And these are maladaptive responses. So our body didn't get the memo that like we're not walking down East 12th Street with a saber-toothed tiger about to attack us. We're still, um, if you're feeling threatened, right, as a mom, like I made the wrong choice to, to you know, get um, what, what is it? What is it that all kids, are, you know, the vaccine, you know, the things that are like to vaccinate to not vaccinate. Right, right, right. That's a good example. So, yeah. Right. So the fear of like, I'm doing the wrong thing. Your body feels like you are actually in mortal danger. So you are pulsating cortisol through your system, adrenaline, all of these other things that have physiological ramifications, psychological ramifications. Your, your central nervous system is responding. So part of it is you've got to create this separation. And so why meditation is such a huge part of what I do with clients, even if it's three minutes a day, is that some amount of stillness and silence on a daily basis will help you create space between your thought and your action. And sometimes you just need a second to go, okay, I'm actually not in mortal danger to recognize like, wow, I'm flipping out right now. Take a deep breath, use breathing exercises, which are so simple and you can do them anywhere. Start to become the observer of your own response, your own reaction to things, and really tell yourself the truth. Your fear mind is one part of your mind. And I do believe that our fear mind is trying to keep us safe, but it doesn't need to, and it's, it's maladaptive. So you need to make friends with your fear. So when people feel fearful, their natural inclination is to sort of turn away from whatever it is that's creating the fear, or to go head on at it, but in a super aggressive way, I ask you to just gently, just slowly turn around and look at whatever it is that is creating this response. Remind yourself that you are not in mortal danger. There are all of these um, like uh, energy exercises that I teach my clients from one of my really close friends who has a center in New York, which has got a ton of free stuff online that your people can access. On Vimeo, it's um, the Lara Touch is the name of it. You can put it in your notes. Where just a few energy exercises can really protect you, but it can also have, it can calm you down. There's one that I do, it's called Sedating Triple Warmer, where you literally just, it takes 30 seconds, 20 seconds to do, but it's giving um, messages to your body like it's okay. So I think that you have to look at your fear. That's really the advice, is you have to look at the content of your fear. My mother used to say, when I was young, if I came home and was upset about something, she would do this thing, It was she would say, and then what would happen? Well, then I would be embarrassed if you know he doesn't like me and I, whatever. She's like, okay, and then what would happen? Then I'd be sad. Okay, and then what would happen? Now, then you get to the end of it and you go, well, Really, at the end of it, like, actually nothing much is happening. (laughs) Like, the fear is greater than the reality. And when you don't recognize that fear is driving you, you don't have a choice to make, um, to decide 
you, you get into a reactive mode, which is not what we want to do. So I don't know if any of that is helpful or I think it's really helpful. Uh, I, I relate to it quite a bit. I, I just actually wrote a, a post on my site that really acknowledged some anxieties and fears that I worked through uh, very consciously and actively with, with a particular goal in mind. And I realized that when given voice, when the fears are actually given voice mm-hmm. and you name them very specifically, and often you do need the guidance of a therapist or someone who can really help you do that or a very um, knowledgeable person like your mom. But mm-hmm. um, but first of all, you realize that there's something you're releasing when you're just saying it as opposed to just keeping it in. Yeah. For myself, I realized that underneath a lot of my fears were in some ways misplaced emotions, sadness, grief, longing, things that needed to just just be almost cried out and like let go of. And then the fears can kind of, I don't know, soften, release somehow. So but I think at the, at the end of the day, you have to be able to face, like you say, face it. Um, which we we tend to run the other way, don't we? Yes, but what your suggestion, what you're suggesting, is absolutely true. That when you give voice to your fears and open your eyes, look straight at it, it will lose so much of its power to compel you to do things that are not aligned with really what you want. You want to be happy. You want to be calm. You want to have an internal life that feels good that is not racked with fear all the time. Well, connected to fear is, of course, the subject of change. And I wanted to just before we close out our discussion, bring up change because change is something that so many of us struggle to embrace. So many of us have experienced, myself included, the not only birth of our children, but the birth of this new identity. And and though there can be power to it, there's that fear of the change. How do we navigate change like that? Well, that's a really great point, And it's very true. I can tell you from my therapeutic perspective and personal perspective, this is really about changing your view on something because the my teacher David G says you know the only thing that we can ever count on is that everything will change and when people will say to me and I wrote a whole I did a whole series for the Huffington Post a couple of years ago about fear when uh, she had her book out on fear and I did a whole series about fear of success and fear of failure and how both of those are different sides of the same coin, and the coin is fear of change. And so let's first quickly break down why do we fear change? Well, we fear change because we have people that we love and places that we love or homes that we love. We like our lives. The, the fear is that we will lose something. So when we say we have a fear of change, that's true. And the reality is when things change, you do lose something, right? You lose the way it was when your kids are toddlers. That's a sweet time. There's sweetness to that time. When they're middle schoolers, there's a different sweetness. But you must say goodbye to the toddler to get the middle schooler, to get the teenager, to get the young adult, right? And every single one of those phases of your life is a change. You also may threaten people in your life. So if you are a mom and as you're doing, you're building a business, 
a movement really is what I consider what you're doing more than just a business because it's a heart centered, uh, very experiential, um, and such a beautiful place for support for women to be their highest expression of themselves. Where I believe, you know, Randy, that you're not saying, oh, everyone can have it all. I believe that you're saying you can make choices so that you are happy that you are still you, you can be fully self-expressed and be a great mom and have a business. And I know that to be true. And so do you. So I love, I love what you're doing. I love the platform. I love your, your people. It's awesome. But I do think that this fear of change and this fear of threatening other people, because this is part of it too. Sometimes you have an agreement with your spouse, like, okay, so I'm going to be home now and I am going to do what I want, but there's a fear. And I see this with my clients that if I become successful, what if I become more successful than my spouse? What happens then? So there's fear of loss. Will my spouse not love me? Will I lose my marriage? Will I? And listen, a lot of us are very modern. A lot of us are really partnered with our, our, our you know, significant others, whether it's husband or wife. But your unconscious mind and your fear mind, your ego mind, wants to keep you where you are because it thinks that's where you will be the safest. And yet, of course, you can't live your dharma, your purpose in life, and stay where you are. So part of it is really realize you're not that fragile. Like you are resilient as hell. You can do this and look at fear. Put your arm around your fear and be like, hey, kid, it's you and me until the end of time. Because as long as we're breathing humans on planet Earth, fear is going to be a part of the life. You just have to take the keys away from fear so that you're driving the van and fear is just kind of in the backseat. I think that's an awesome metaphor. <laughs> I also think I want to make Terry call the mascot for Beyond Mom because what you just said was so awesome and I appreciate it. Sure. Um, so before we close out, Terry, I know that people listening are going to want to find you and listen to um, your podcast and, and read your writing and follow you as they should. So tell us where we can find you and engage with you. All right. Well, my website is terrycole.com, which is T-E-R-R-I-C-O-L-E. Um, my, the podcast is called Hello Freedom. It's on iTunes, Stitcher, everywhere. So you can just either search Terry Cole or search um, Hello Freedom. Um, where else can you find me? On um, Instagram, it's just Terry Cole. On Facebook, Terry Cole LCSW. And on Twitter, it's Terry underscore Cole, which is super annoying. And that's really Chris Carr's fault. <laughs> she told me in 2009, that's what I should do. What did I know? So I did it. Thanks, Chris. Anyway. Thanks for the underscore. <laughs> Thanks for the unnecessary underscore. I appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Terry. I know that what you shared today is going to give women that really need it, that motivation to be real and be honest, meditate, take breaths, and befriend our, our oldest BFF, our fear, exactly. <laughs> when we need to, to get to the next place. Um, so thank you. And again, this is Randy Zinn. I'm the founder of Beyond Mom, a community that continues to offer you insight and wisdom and support as you navigate your individuality um, and your motherhood, which I believe coexist and should coexist. Thank you so much for listening. Take care.